When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Touchdown, tight! There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! What's going on, everybody? It's Titans Unfiltered here, part of Music City Miracles with SB Nation. And it's our it's our first show that we've started for the season, and we get to start it right before uh, the opening kickoff. Cowboys, Tampa Bay. Let me tell you, Nick, I got a ton of money on Tampa Bay, but we won't, we'll get into that later. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, man. So after the preseason, we just wrapped everything up, two and one. Everything went good. Still a little heartbroken that Matt Barkley fell from QB2 to QB practice squad, but that's all right. But what are your takes on the Titans after this preseason? I mean, Woodside just will not, will not go down. I mean, how Barkley was what the, the fourth contender that he's felled since he took over the, the yeah. backup job. Yeah. What, I he, mean, he's got a heart somehow. I don't know. I think he, him and Rabel must be drinking buddies. I think that's really <laughs> what it amounts to, but I mean, I feel like that goes a long way in, in uh, Rabel's circles. Um, but no, I mean, it was, a, I mean, if we look at the off season as a whole, I mean, once we, we, every guy, once we got Julio, I think that kind of just set the tone. Everybody was in a good mood for a while, you know, Titans Twitter, you know, devolves into arguing sooner rather than later, but I, I don't think we had many complaints. I know some people were worried about, um, the lack of starters playing, um, but I think that, you know, that might be one of those things that pays off in the long run. So kind of an uneventful offseason, which is which is a bummer after a, a slow one last year. Right. Um, but I'm feeling good about going into the season. I'm, I'm ready. Football's back. It is back. I'll tell you what I am excited about. Those first two games, four and 26 on third down, baby. Four and 26 on third down. Those that, we yeah. we were making stops. Rashad mm-hmm. Weaver, I think, became a crowd favorite when it comes yep. to rookies um i would like 
I, obviously, we all wanted to see what was going to happen with Caleb Farley, see how that back was doing. He did play in some games. I was at the Chicago game. He played a lot and looked, com- looked completely fine to me. I'm curious to see exactly what his game speed is like because people forget once, uh, like, that whole 4 2 six, 40, stuff like that, after you have uh, back surgeries, uh, it, 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 it changes things. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he still keeps some of that speed in a game once he really gets out there and he's full speed. But, uh, yeah, Weaver, I think it's um, hands down the player that I think everybody was kind of like, okay, like this kid might actually be a stud. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer, lock it up. So that's where we're <laughs> him at. And Mold, him and Molden will enter the Hall of Fame in the same year, right? Yeah, um, first ballots. Yep. No, I thought <laughs> I thought Molden looked great. Um, you know, after we lost Logan Ryan, the slot cornerback position never really uh, got solidified last year. We threw a bunch of people in there. No one really fit. Uh, so hopefully he's the answer to our prayers there. Um, Makai Sargent, you know, he kind of caught everybody by storm there. Everybody loves the little scrappy running backs, right? Right. And uh, – dude is built like a, a keg but he's he's definitely got some scrap to him and i was i wasn't as confident he was going to make the team as some other people were but i was wrong and you know he he latched on there probably didn't hurt that darrington is has been injured which was probably the most disappointing thing to come out of the preseason yeah um but yeah a lot of good fun young players that we saw and the results were great i mean i can't remember what the total scoring was but i feel like we blew out yeah uh yeah i mean neither one in the in the preseason like neither team neither team that we played scored over three points until we got to the bears i mean it's 23 23 23 against the falcons 20 uh 34 to three against the bucks and then of course we fell to the bears we fell to the bears off of a fluke tight end bobble catch and when i tell you nick like i literally i look over i look over to my lady and i'm like hey let's just try like I'm okay with it. Let's just get out of here with a win, whatever. Let's just go home. Good preseason three and zero. And then this literally happens right after the fact. This mm-hmm. tight end bobbles the ball, catches it, and he just happens to run in. And I'm sitting there in my head, and I'm like, "What just happened?" Like, and I'm and I'm thinking, "There's no way that uh, we're gonna drive down and score now because of the fact that we're already kind of like." the whole team and the coach staff are just kind of like, all right, preseason's over. Let's get out of here. So, mm-hmm. but for me as a competitor, I'm like, figure it out, score. But um, it, I mean, it, it was a good preseason. I think that we did what we were yep. supposed to do. We saw, we saw some of the players play. And I mean, we, uh, we, I mean, we know what we have here. What I tell you, what was a surprise to me? I was surprised to see, on the depth chart as I was kind of going through after everything kind of was starting to get set the third wide receiver spot. Mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised if I remember correctly, did, did they, they had Rogers there, correct? Yep. Chester Rogers was listed as the third wide receiver. I was a little surprised too. Um, I, I kind of felt like that was Josh Reynolds to lose. And maybe the fact that he was banged up all preseason was enough for him to lose it. Um, but I also feel like it, if you're considering that third wide receiver spot, a slot wide receiver, right. Chester Rogers fits that a little bit better. You know, Josh Reynolds does yeah. play in the slot, but he's a big slot. Yeah. Um, I'm still not going to put a ton of stock into it. I want to see you know, snap counts, right? Like you can be listed as a third wide receiver on the depth chart. Um, but if I, I want to see, you know, what the actual snap difference is between Rogers and, and Reynolds, um, you know, Rogers might have that specific slot, but I could see, 
um, Reynolds playing more as Julio and AJ take breaks that he's filling in that role. So it, it'll be interesting. I'm not putting a ton of stock in that. I want to see what they end up doing. Um, but it, it was, it was kind of funny that, you know, I think the most passionate arguments that the Titans fans had this um, off season was about who's going to be like our third wide receiver, right? which is, which is kind of refreshing, honestly, like we, got, that's, first, we that's, got first world problems. Yeah. Yeah. If that's, yeah. if that's what we're, you know, fighting about, that's, a, that's a good thing. So um, it's looking like it's Rogers right now. He had an excellent preseason and he's going to be, you know, we haven't really had anything in the return game for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Darius Jennings was a good kick returner, but nothing in terms of punt returns. So if he can, you know, bring a spark there, that could be another benefit as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do think he obviously showed that he has like, he's slippery mm-hmm. enough to be really good in the punt return game. So I am super excited to see what happens there. Um, I'm also really pumped that, um, so Brady Breeze, so I don't, I, here's a fun story for everybody. Brady Breeze was at, um, he was at uh, CGS's uh, all-star training camp that we had down in Fort Worth, Texas, that I got to cover uh, with a previous network. So I got to actually, I got to actually set him up before he did his interview with us. And uh, I didn't get a picture with him, but I did. I do remember having an argument with somebody else down there that was a Minnesota Vikings fan. And we both were kind of like, yeah, you need to come to our team. We need him. I'm super pumped that he made the team. Uh, did slip into the COVID list on Tuesday that I saw, though. So, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, super pumped for him to be on the team. Mason Kinsley, when he first moved to town last year, was looking for a place to stay. And I had a conversation with him trying to get him set up in an Airbnb. Uh, that uh, my girl kind of worked for. I tried to get him set up in that. He ended up finding the place, but I'm pumped that he's on the practice squad. Uh, scrappy guy, just good heart, wants to be a Titan, which is exactly mm-hmm. what you want. Uh, so that's the type of people that I'm glad that we kind of have around. So you have lined up for pot appearances then? You know, uh, uh, Mason, name dropping these guys. Listen, Ma- Mason, I'll probably be able to get for sure. Uh, Brady, <laughs> Brady, I, Brady, I should have had more conversation with after the fact. To be honest with you, because like because of Brady's like background and stuff, I didn't even think he was going to fall as far as he did uh, mm. for us to be able to grab him. So like I didn't really get a chance to talk to him as much as I really probably should have. Now I'm regretting that, but uh, I do plan on being in Brady Breeze's DMs to see if I can't try to get him to come <laughs> slide through. on in. Yeah. He's on COVID list. He's, he's, he's got some free time, right? Yeah. He's got free time all day. We <laughs> definitely, we definitely can chat Brady Breeze. Where you at? Um, yeah. But I mean, as we go into kind of week one, as we're looking at it. So uh, wait, before we get, before I get into week one. So for a preseason, if you can give me like three players that kind of stood out to you, that kind of shocked you that weren't on your list going into preseason, who you want to give me? Um, I mean, I already talked about Makai Sargent. I don't think I even, you know, I, I follow the Titans pretty closely. I'd say, I don't think I knew who he was till he had his first um, rush attempt in the first preseason game. I, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no and idea. I was like, hey, who, who the hell is this guy? Uh, but he impressed me. I mean, like I say, he's a little guy, but he's scrappy. He had some big games. Um, I know that they were impressed with what he could do on special teams too. Um, I, I'm doubting he'll be active, but the fact that an undrafted running back, you know, running back's not necessarily the most valued position, was able to make that team, that's super impressive. Um, in terms of stood out, 
uh, I think you can stand out for the wrong reasons as well. And I think one maybe dark spot on the preseason was this um, Fitzpatrick not making the team. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say I had high hopes for him because I'm not going to act like I knew who he was when we drafted him. Right. Um, but he was a big body. He kind of fit the mold of what the Titans look for in a wide receiver. Um, and especially because all of his competition were, you know, basically un, undrafted veterans. Um, I, I thought he was going to easily lock up like fourth, you know, fifth at the worst spot. Um, but the Titans made it clear early on that he just wasn't putting forth enough effort. And especially when compared to, uh, to his peers and, you know, I'm glad that he is on the practice squad. Cause I don't, I think he's, you know, talented and I'd like, you know, a chance for him to continue to develop. But when you trade up for a guy in the fourth round, you know, a lot of people are saying, Oh, it's not the end of the world. It's not, but it's not, not ideal. You know, like 90% of fourth round picks make the team their first year and he didn't right. do it and you traded up for him so you know it's it's good we've got guys in there who are capable um you know besides julio jones and aj brown best tandem in the league um but yeah guys backing them up that are capable um but it's just kind of a bummer to see to see that not work out yeah um go ahead uh no i was just sitting there thinking um Whenever you started that whole sentence, the only thing that was going through my mind was Dylan. I was like, he's gonna say Dylan. He's gonna say Dylan. Dylan Redunce, like because of the fact that like oh, he yeah, had yeah. he had all that he had all that like potential, and he was kind of he was kind of one of those players that came from one of those schools to where you're like, hey, that school makes linemen. And so it was kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, like he should have like been great. Dylan's best friend right now has to be Isaiah Wilson because of how bad Isaiah Wilson <laughs> turned out. Nobody yeah. is like, nobody mastered him when it comes to like his performance and stuff that uh, people are upset about it. I get it. But it's a say, I did see somebody kind of tweet out. It's crazy now that the pressure somebody has, even if they like, no matter what round they get drafted in, it mm-hmm. used to be different. And like, we could have talked to Ed about this even uh, whenever we get him on, he would probably explain that, Back in the day, whenever you drafted somebody, they had that time to develop and that expectation wasn't there. Now the expectation is so high for like the players to get drafted in the first two, three rounds. You expect them to make such an impact on your team and they don't really get, they don't, there's no like expectation for them to like sit sit back, learn something, kid, you're not ready. Now it's kind of like, oh, he didn't make an impact. He's a bust. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I do think that you said Isaiah Wilson is his best friend, but I think he also did him a disservice because now when we see early picks not have immediately return immediate returns, it's like, oh, another Isaiah Wilson, another wasted pick. Um, I think both with Farley and with Dylan, uh, I know we're calling him Dylan because we don't want to mess up Redins or Reduns or however you say it. Yeah. But, I, no but I, I think with him, both these guys didn't play the last season of college football, right? No. So, and then they also have the other hurdles to clear that Redens, you know, came from such a small school. There's always going to be a learning curve coming from the NFL. So if you haven't played for two years and you're going to the NFL and you're also playing some guard, which you've never done before, that's a tough, that's a tough road for anybody. Right. Um, and same with Farley coming off a back injury and, you know, you're talking about game speed. It looked like his speed was there. It looked like his mental speed was not there. Um, 
and you know he was a step behind and can sometimes catch up because he's so athletic um but just getting a feel for the game is going to take a while but i think if you look at the moves that robinson made he wasn't banking he's looking at the long term for both of these guys you know he's got three veterans at right tackle who can play ahead of redens and um, with farley bringing in jenkins and you know they're obviously very confident in fulton and what he can do so you know we're not having to trot farley out there with the current state he's in because he he would he would not be good if he's a starter right now. You know, I think by the end of the season, I think he'll have had enough time to come around. But um, I think that Robinson realized that these guys were going to need a little time to get up to speed. And he kind of you know, took out some insurance policies. So I'm not I'm not sweating it right now because um, Robinson obviously didn't put the team in a position where they're going to need to rely on these guys day one. If that was the case, if both these dudes were starters, I would be sweating bullets. But um, Robinson is always, you know, he gets a lot of crap, but I think he's always, you know, a couple steps ahead. He's always got a plan. So, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I, I can't say that my grade for the Titans in the draft that we talked about a while back would change now. I do think that we do have some players that with time are going to be able to show up. I think that I still think Caleb Farley, if that back isn't an issue, I think that we're going to say, yeah, that was a really good pick. I, yeah. I, I, I fully agree that we're going to say that. And I think that we'll, obviously we're going to say the same thing about Weaver. If he stays healthy and everything mm-hmm. kind of all the altar field stuff gets out of the way and molding is going to be great. Uh, I even think Brady Breezel, even if like just because of the fact that he played a little bit uh, higher level, I think that he'll be able to kind of show up and kind of do some stuff. I think he has I think he has it more mentally that that'll kind of help him out a lot. He'd be a Donnie Nicky type, maybe. Right. Yeah, listen, <laughs> listen, just show up. Be and out some there, out, that's that's it. And uh, and one guy we didn't talk about either was Monty Rice. Um, didn't show a whole lot, but you can kind of see why they drafted him. Mm-hmm. Um, with that athleticism and having him and David Long in place, you know, I was just talking about Robinson thinking a couple steps ahead, having those guys in place when both uh, Rashawn Evans and John Brown are free agents makes you feel a little bit better about, you know, going into the uh, offseason next year. You know, hopefully you only need to resign one of those guys and not, you know, have to bring in two whole new starting linebackers. Right. Uh, both of those guys look really good. When I went to the open practice, man, they look they they both look really good. I mean, obviously practice speed and game speed are two different things, but I, I, like I said, they all like everybody look everybody looks sharp, and it all translate it all translated over to the how the preseason kind of went. Like the Bears game, the Bears game was a Bears game, but I mean, even in the Bears game. I mean, we all say that Matt Barkley went from QB two to like released after the Bears game, but he went he went seven for fifteen for one hundred twenty six and threw the interception. Mm-hmm. The interception was so bad that it made such an impact that now I feel like I feel like if it makes such a big impact now, like the team, the expectation is so high that I feel like it just kind of wavers. And then of course. Woodside comes in, he's a spark. He goes 12 for 17, throws for 100 yards, one touchdown. He still threw an interception, but at the same time, because of the fact that where when that, that competition, I think, was so close, it all leans like that when it's like – and it's in that situation. Yeah. But I think that Barkley, Barkley being on this practice squad will help just in case. Hopefully mm-hmm. we never had to see either one of these guys. But 
you know how the stuff goes. You gotta have you gotta yeah. have those. You gotta have that in place. Every team that wins Super Bowl always has depth. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and you know I've I've advocated for Woodside replacement for a while, and you know I'm kind of coming to terms with he's going to be the backup, um, probably for the foreseeable future, um, which is fine. I guess I just have this innate worry of a, of guys who've never been. He's never had a start, right? He, he's, he's never been in that like Barkley, you know, at least he's, it's, you know, he's not great, but he's been there before. And that sounds like a, a minuscule thing, but having that experience does matter. And if Tannehill goes down and Woodside has to come in in a high pressure situation, I'm a little worried if he's going to be able to step up to the plate. Um, but that's what, you know, we pay Robinson Rabel to, well, I don't pay him. Uh, Miss Amy pays <laughs> pays those guys to to make those decisions, and they obviously trust that Woodside has, you know, um, not only the physical abilities but the men- mental fortitude to be able to step up into that position if he needs to. So, um, you know, they've gotten us this far. So, just gotta trust those guys are making the right decisions. Yep, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm I'm also very upset because I myself made a tweet that was bold as ever. It said that first grade was going to be a monster in the red zone for the Titans. And then NFL network crapped all over me and saying that first grade is somebody that you should sit. If he's on your fantasy team this week, I'm telling you not to sit him. That's a fade the experts, man. Like, what do they know? You, you got the inside scouting report here. Um, you know, I'm not going to necessarily co-sign that Ferkser's going to blow up, but I, I'm not saying that, <laughs> but what I am saying is that, I'm saying that he if you if you put him in the top three of tight ends that you should sit, I wouldn't say that. Not yeah, with not with the way there. not with the way that we target. So Jonu Smith was third, no, fourth among all tight ends when it comes to being targeted in the red mm-hmm. zone. We have a tendency, if we're not giving it to Henry in the red zone, we have a tendency to find tight ends. And if you don't think that we're gonna that every defense is gonna be targeting Julio and AJ Brown like crazy in the red zone to make sure that they don't get the ball and that first isn't gonna be able to sit down in the middle of the end zone, mm-hmm. I mean that's on you. I don't know what to tell everybody, but I'm telling you, for me personally, I definitely can see first group finding some chances to get open in the end zone. We just gotta give them the targets. No, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. In some ways, I think that Ferkster is a better fit for this current offense than Johnu was. You know, as good as Johnu was, and you know, all the yards after the catch and everything. Um, I think he was—he's almost like a gadget tight end, right? Like all, all of his yards, like it was design plays, catching the ball around, you know, around the uh, line of scrimmage, and then busting off a huge run, which is great. But a lot of the value I think Ferkster is going to bring is, like you said all eyes are on AJ and, and Julio and Ferkser can get himself open and move the chains. And I don't think Julio or uh, Janu was necessarily the best route runner um, and could work on his own. So I, I'm, I think that for moving forward with Ferkser is actually going to be a benefit. Yeah. Before we go any further, let's go into an interview. We got, we got Ed Smith who covers the Arizona Cardinals with believe network. He's going to join us, talk a little bit about the Cardinals, talk about his outlook on their season the matchup with the Titans and what he's seen in the preseason that kind of worries him a little bit going forward with that team. So let's jump into that interview. Yeah. We got Ed Smith joining us this afternoon. Ed, former American football tight end. Listen, NFL played there for the Atlanta Falcons, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Detroit Lions. He's uh, also was a minor league baseball player. So listen, the guy knows his sports. We got him here. He's from the Believe Network, covers the Arizona Cardinals. Ed, how you doing this afternoon? 
Sam, appreciate you guys having me on, man. Looking forward to diving into the season week one. I appreciate you guys having me on an all girls show. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, good luck moving forward, man. I know you guys are going to blow it out the box. Appreciate it, Ed. And just before we hopped on, we were talking about, you know, how, how great it is to have a real season up and running. Um, what, what are your general expectations for the Cardinals this year? You know, I, I wish I could say, Nick, I wish I could say they were, they were glowing. Uh, you know, we, we started the season last year, six and three, gave everybody a lot of promise out here, faded down the stretch, eight and eight, you know, that's acceptable. You know, young team trying to find their way, young coach, uh, you know, second year quarterback, where I've been disappointed is our approach to the 2021 season so far in terms of preparation. You know, I haven't seen much from the Cardinals. You know, we go into the preseason, cut down one game already, preseason-wise only three, and we decide, you know, we're going to give our starting quarterback, our, you know, starting wide receivers, everybody uh, week one off, and then we bring the uh, first team out there in the second game uh, against the team, against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who were full board. I mean, they had all these, this is the defending AFC champions. They've got all Mahomes. They got everybody out there dialing it up. We get our young quarterback who's already stated that he doesn't like preseason, doesn't think it's important, doesn't want to play. You can tell in his performance, our starting offense gets three series, all three and outs. So basically our young quarterback and our first string offense had nine total snaps together. And that's not including like the D hop. He sat out the entire preseason, uh, you know, A.J. Green, he's always a hamstring away from being down for 10 weeks, and he, he didn't even play. So we have no continuity, no nothing, in my opinion. Uh, worked on that, and then we had the unfortunate scenario where the third preseason game was canceled because of Ida, Hurricane Ida, going over mm -hmm. to play against the uh, Saints. So in terms of, like, being ready and prepped, you know, and I keep hearing Kingsbury talk about, well, we've been having some great practices. Okay, you know. In practices, we all know, and you guys follow the game, mm -hmm. uh, everybody's wearing the same emblem on their helmet, the same logo. Quarterback's wearing red jerseys. Nobody's getting any real, what you call, work at top speed. So now we're coming into a game, we're jumping on a plane, coming across to play you guys over in Tennessee, and you guys are going to dial it up on us. And quite honestly, I'm afraid of what your front might do to our offensive line, who's had no work. Kyler Murray, who's had no work, no continuity with the wide receiver group. Et cetera, et cetera. And uh, like I said, the, the all for me, and I keep telling everybody, everybody out here, the first month of the season, maybe month plus, is going to be like preseason for us. So expect sloppy play. Uh, you know, balls are going to be thrown all over the place. Blocks are going to be missed. Assignments blown, et cetera, et cetera. So my outlook is, you know, let's let's talk about it in week six because it might be that mm -hmm. long down the road before we look or give any semblance of what I would call a football team with, uh, you know, heading in the right direction. It sounds like some of the concerns you have are some that Titans fans have expressed too, because we've been resting our guys as well. You know, Julio hasn't played, Tannehill hasn't played, Henry hasn't played. Do you think that's just going to be a trend going forward, especially with this, you know, extra regular season game that we're just going to see everybody, all, this, all the big stars sitting out the entire preseason? I think it is. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm from the air where, you know, we used to beat the heck out of each other, two-a-days, you know, and when I say two-a-days, I mean real two-a-days, up and down the hill twice, you know, bleeding, sweating through two practices, and that might have been a little too much. That was overkill back in the day. 
And, you know, they always overcorrect sometime in the wrong direction. Now we've gotten to the point where these training camps, you can't even put pads on back-to-back days, you know. And my question is, how do you prepare guys for this? Uh, you know, like I said, when you get to the regular season, all bets are off. This is full speed. You're going to have guys who have not played a true down since last year, meaning their last regular season game of 2020. Uh, and I just think, you know, you got to, in, in a way, you, I'm thinking you're not protecting the players because you're not actually preparing them for the actual speed of the game that's coming. And then we're going to see a lot of those soft tissue injuries and things like that. You know, I, I like what teams, and it's funny, some of the old school coaches still do it, like an Andy Reid, like a Bill Belichick. They get those dudes out there and they can't beat them up in practice, but we're going to get some reps in during the preseason games and kind of work out fast tempo. I would at least hope that if you're not going to get it in, and I'm not sure you guys maybe can tell me if you guys did the joint practices, because I do think those are helpful as well. Mm -hmm. Cardinals, we didn't do any of those. We had no joint practices, uh, no hand-to-hand against anybody in the opposite color jersey or helmet. And I just think, you know, if you're going to do that, you got to expect that it's not going to look pretty early. And I'm not sure how, you know, prepped you guys think your team is, but I'm really worried about the Cardinals over here. We did. We did joint practice with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It ended in a lot of fistfights. But (laughs) for me, I have zero problem whenever there's a couple scuffles between teams in uh, training camp because what that lets me know is that they're anxious and and they're itching and ready to go and they're ruined. I don't want as many as we had. I think we had like five. But (laughs) at the same time, at the same time, you do like to see a little bit of fire out of those guys. So we did have those joint practices. What I don't like that somebody like yourself and players from that era used to do is not having that game where like they would kind of go for that half. We cut a whole mm-hmm. preseason game and yet there's still not probably starters that played more than two quarters in the preseason. When we didn't have a preseason last year, what happened was at the beginning of the season, we saw a ton of more injuries, a ton mm-hmm. of more AC, uh, ACL tears. And then what it does is it completely ruins some chances, some teams chances to get them kind of rolling. Absolutely. And, you know, I like, Sam, that, you know, you got when you had those joint practices, that's what it's all about. It's, you know, and sometimes it doesn't look so pretty out there, but it is about getting that engine revved up, you know, getting that fire in the belly, you know, because now guys are, you know, you're playing practice against yourself. Like I said, you don't want to hurt anybody out there. Everything is thud. You know, you definitely can't get anywhere near your quarterback and you don't get that opportunity to get that aggression, to get that. And I always equate it to, you know, we've all worked out on treadmills and, you know, you imagine you're getting on a treadmill and instead of getting on it and hitting the button and start walking, you know, and you get it up to three, you get up to four. Imagine you get on a treadmill and you start out at 9.5 with the elevation at 12 and you're standing there and that thing is zzz between your legs. And you got to jump on there and try to catch up. And that's what happens. You bring up the fact some of these injuries because you're not giving yourself an opportunity to test the speed, to, you know, fight against coming out of breaks against somebody who's actually trying to keep you from getting out of break. Now you're coming out stumbling and, you know, you blow that knee out or whatever it is. These guys, like I said, as as much as I would have loved to have played during this era because there's less contact, there's less practice, less this, less that, you know, I, I think it was a benefit to be kind of ready, build those calluses, get used to that blocking and hitting, leading into a season rather than just trying to jump right on and go into it. And I, I just fear for, you know, like you mentioned, you've already cut a whole game out and you're still getting guys who are getting such limited snaps. They don't even like for us, 
our starters, nobody has even practiced. What do we do coming out, getting back out in the second half, getting warmed up after being in the locker room for 20 minutes? That was part of the dress rehearsal. Just that alone, get a series or so in the second half to prep. We haven't even done that. It's going to be all just kind of fly by the seat of our pants pants in game one going into Tennessee of all places. Yeah. Yeah, And, you know, uh, you can probably speak to this more, but on paper, if I were a Cardinals fan, I'd be a little bit worried about your cornerback group in particular. You know, we, we are obviously familiar with Malcolm Butler and I think he was honestly a little bit underrated across the league because he had a pretty solid year last year and he was looking to be, you know, your number one cornerback replacing uh, Patrick Peterson. But with him gone, I mean, on paper, you might you know these guys better than me, but, you know, you got uh, Byron Murphy Jr. and Robert Alford, who's a vet. But, I mean, any team's going to be a little worried with uh, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. But how are you feeling about that group going into this week? I am very scared, especially because of the timing of Malcolm Butler's decision to retire. You know, you don't have a lot of time to prep for that. And, you know, we went into this uh, – the preseason, you know, offseason when we signed him, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, we lost Patrick, but we're bringing a guy in here who's been around the block a couple times. He can help guide some of these young uh, cats that are, you know, going to be green. They're going to be out there trying to figure it out. Malcolm's going to settle everybody down. He's going to be the new voice in the room. And for, you know, him to whatever his circumstances are, to call it quits this close to the start of the season, there's no time to prep for anything like that. And I was joking on one of our uh, – well, we do the radio show out here. Uh, on a, joking on the radio show last week as well as the uh, Believe in the Arizona Cardinals podcast. I'm preparing, especially with, you know, you guys, I got AJ and, and uh, Julio. I'm preparing for a lot of dudes. Unless we get extreme pressure on Tannehill, there's going to be a lot of retreat and catch up in this game. Uh, we're going to be chasing dudes down the field, and it might be one of those track meets. And I know that's not your, necessarily your style of ball, but when you look at our cast that we have, as far as our cornerbacks and our D-backs in general, the only saving grace we have is Buddha back there, but you know, we can't cover the entire field. We're going to be doing a lot of what I imagine, you know, maybe taking some risks trying to get to the quarterback because I don't know if our core cornerback group can hold up for long stretches. If we don't put pressure on, we might it might be a very long day for our secondary. Yeah, we're talking about getting to the quarterback. So obviously – you got Vance Joseph there. Uh, he's on. He was on Wayne Phillips' uh, coaching staff back in Houston. Very similar. So he's got J.J. Watt there now. So do you think that he can kind of transition to kind of get J.J. Watt in a position where a lot of people are – they kind of sold on J.J. They, you know, yeah, he's not – he's a shell of himself. Do you think that he can get him in a position where he can make an impact on that defense? Sam, I mean, he's not a – I don't think he's necessarily a shell of himself, but he's got some cracks in the egg. I mean, it's that that, you know, he's at that kind of crossroad in his career. And they've already discussed. We had an article out here a few weeks ago where they went to JJ and told him, we're only going to play you about 65% of the snaps, you know. And I'm thinking, wow, that's not a great return on your investment. You know, so basically just a little over half the snaps, JJ is going to be sitting on the sideline watching. The other thing that scares me, gentlemen, is the fact that Watt is a veteran. I know he knows how to handle himself, but once again, we got a guy who got hurt early in training camp, and it was a hamstring, so it wasn't anything major, but he got zero. When I say zero, he got zero work in preparation, getting ready for this upcoming season. First off, I don't care if you're playing 65% of snaps or 45, whatever it is. Once you get out there and start running around, man, if you don't have that, I mean, that, that, that breath, if you're not in condition, which is hard to do, simulate 
getting out there, and all of a sudden now you start chasing dudes around, and man, those 65 snap, 65 percent is going to seem like you know he played 150 snaps out there. He's not going to be at top speed for weeks, and like and that's why I mentioned our the first month, month and a half of our season is going to be like training camps because everybody's going to be trying to get in shape, figure out the system figure how they're working with each other, where they fit, you know, and Vance is going to have to figure out, okay, you know, how, when do I play this, these certain packages with these certain guys, they have no experience at it other than some practices. And I just fear, you know, JJ Watt, great presence, but I don't know how much uh, with the lack of work that we've put in and had, how good it's going to look right off the bat. And they could really surprise me. They really could. I just don't see it. I think it's going to be a work in progress. And in, in most instances, work in progress means you're working at it during the offseason and the preseason, not during the season. Right. Yeah. Um, turning to the other side of the ball with Kyler Murray, um, obviously he's a dynamic player. He can do it all. He can throw the ball. He can run it. Um, he took a solid step, I think, from his rookie to his sophomore year. Um, but the Cardinals, they started out hot and faltered down a little bit down the stretch. Was that something that, you know, teams started to figure out Kyler a little more? Or is there a way, you know, that if the Titans were to game plan, that there's a way to actually slow Kyler down a little bit? Um, or is that, you know, something outside of Kyler's control? Um, I, I think it was a combination of things, Nick, because I think, you know, initially teams, you know, they had no idea what the Cardinals offense was going to look like mm-hmm. through Kingsbury. And as they saw it, they started to realize that we can contain him in the pocket, put extreme pressure up the middle of the uh, – uh, uh, you know, protection. I, I've been saying for quite a while, you can't teach size. And Kyler, that's his one deficiency that he'll never outgrow. If you can keep him in the pocket, put pressure up in front of him, he has a hard time seeing down the field. And that's why, if you notice, a lot of our completions, and when he was throwing balls all over the place, it was sideline to sideline. We had a very horizontal game. Nothing was going up the field deep. And I think that's probably that's partly because Teams started to figure out, like I said, if you build that wall from, you know, uh, uh, side, you know, was it um, has to has and then get some pressure up the middle and we force them one way or the other. Like I said, and, and it's going to be really interesting. One of the other things we don't do is we don't supply him with a great running game. Everything we do is out of shotgun, out of that pistol. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just think it's imperative to get him under center more where he can do more uh, play action and different things. But I don't know whether he's, fighting that or if Kingsbury does doesn't have it in his packages but that's going to be a hindrance all the way through and I think teams have they've got the tape now uh they're going to try to repeat process of let's keep him in the pocket throw stuff up the middle at him and see how he kind of responds and until he does we all know if it's not broke don't fix it so teams are going to kind of attack us the same way and we might have the same results uh to start out the season until Cliff kind of makes those adjustments that I think he's going to need to make. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, there's a lot of adjusting that kind of has to go on as you're like, you know, you're a newer coach in there. He transitioned really well per se compared to a lot of NCAA coaches. So what is it that he does that put him in a position to where it's not like we were looking at it after his first time, his first year and like, this ain't going to work. What did he do to kind of make it be like, he can figure this out if he does this. Well, quite honestly, Sam, I don't know whether he's figured it out yet. Last <laughs> year, last year was an interesting season. I, for every coach, for every player, because with COVID there was no off season. 
you know, for the first time in forever since I can remember, it was limited preseason and no games. It was all, you know, uh, just practice and stuff like that. So we had no preseason games. So I gave him kind of a, a, a pass on development of his system with, you know, working with players and different things like that. We've had a full offseason here for the most part now, but we've also seen the limitations that have gone uh, that we've used the how we've used the, the preseason games and the schedule. For me, Cliff is going to have to learn, and 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 we you know we did did talk about this. He's going to have to learn about not just adjustments from game to game. His in-game play calling and adjustments from series to series are going to change. I think the biggest thing for him, he goes in with a game plan, and all of a sudden it stops working, and he's got no counter. You know, we've seen. You know, and I've been a part of it. You know, we get called to the sideline after a bad series. They're sending the pictures down. Nowadays, they got all those tablets. I wish we had tablets back in the day. <laughs> they used to send us the still pictures and stuff. Now that right. everybody's got a tablet. You got to pick up the phone. Yeah. Got, yeah. I used to get cussed out on that phone every now and then. It ain't fun. <laughs> but now, you know, like I said, now everything's right at the palm of your hand. So you have to be even quicker with making your, your, your adjustments and this and that. And I just haven't seen that from him yet. And that's the part of the game. Not, not only is it fast for the players out there, the speed of it is just unbelievable. The same goes for the coaches. And you got to remember this too. He's been in situations where he's just had to manage the offense. And you know, now as the head coach, you are the CEO. You have to have your hands in every decision, every part of the game, special teams, defense. Uh, do we, you know, do your defensive coordinator, he might be like thinking, hey, we're sending the, 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 the uh, everything but the kids and singleness. He might be thinking more, field position your head coach hey wait a minute let's slow that down or hey special team coach comes to you hey this might be a great time for a fake punt or this fake field goal he's got to be in control of everything and i have not seen him have that grasp on the entire game and making those adjustments and making those calls and things on the fly so the thing i'm looking for from cliff is total control of everything in your organization uh, not just the offense everything from uh you know who's going on the field to the plays you're running and the different things you're going to have to do, all those decisions, fourth and ones, you name it. So that's going to be a real challenge for him, you know, and especially we, we I keep beating that dead horse. That's when you get the practice in is in the, the preseason games, you know, scenarios. And we saw what Kent, what Kansas city came in here did to us, man. They had Mahomes out there for almost the whole first half. You know, they went for like two or three fourth downs just to like get the extra plays in the scenario this is what we might run on fourth and two or three or man they were they came out like it was you know game seven of the regular season trying stuff out working on different routes and combinations we haven't seen that and that's like i said cliff is he's fighting that uphill battle he's got a long way to go to get to the level of some of these other head coaches he's going to be going against especially in this division san francisco seattle la rams man you talking about you know stacked against you yeah, that's that's going to be pretty brutal this year. I don't I don't envy you in that regard. I'll take the AFC South <laughs> over that any day. Um, going into year three, you know, like you said, there's definitely some question marks about Cliff, but he's got a very talented roster. If yeah. you know, if he doesn't make the playoffs, is he looking to be on the hot seat? You think his seat is almost like he's on that warm seat. You know, the other little burner yeah. you put off to the side and yeah. <laughs> just to keep the food warm. So he's, mm-hmm. I don't think he's on the hot seat yet, but I've been preaching this a little bit too. Uh, I'll take this to the next level for you. Steve Kime, the GM, mm-hmm. he pretty much went all in 
with this veteran, hey, I'm going to go buy every old car and you know piece of old equipment I can because he knows his job is online. The, most GMs, they have that five-year plan where I'm going to get some youngsters, have a, maybe a couple veterans sprinkled in, but I'm looking into the future. Steve Kime knows his clock is ticking as well, so he went out and purchased all the, the, the old material. Now, he's not going to sit around, like I said, if Cliff is not doing what he's supposed to do, and it looks like it's really bad, you know, in this division. And first thing he's going to do is every man for himself, God for us all. Hey, Cliff, I need to talk to you, man. Come on in here. So that might be his out because I guarantee you, Kyle is not going to take any responsibility for this. If you're the coach on the field with all this paper talent, you need to be producing because, hey, I went out and bought the groceries and you put this horrible meal together. So it's really going, like I said, I think Cliff's seat, that every game we lose or, you know, we get to the halfway season and we're three and five or something like that, that's when you take that pot off, man. You put it on the on the stove and turn that burner all the way up. So, like I said, he could be looking at that sooner than later. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's a – it's a tough situation, man, because I mean, <laughs> with all the with that talent, with with the expectation that Arizona has for Colin at Collar and like having D hop and then JJ Watt being on the because of the presence of them, if they yeah. don't if they don't do what they're supposed to do, I can see that pressure being a little it's a little heavy. It's it's an elephant sitting on your chest if you're not careful <laughs> in that situation. But uh so as we kind of dig into it, so you Ed, obviously you know football. So, you know, I don't know if you've studied our Titans roster or whatever, but when it comes down to it, if you kind of dug into our roster, what is the plan to kind of stop Derrick Henry and that attack that we might have this Sunday? I wish I had the plan from the Cardinals aspect. We've seen so little. I'm not sure. Like I said, we haven't seen Chandler Jones. We haven't seen J.J. I'm imagining they're going to go heavy front to try to stop this running game. A lot of eight in the box. Uh, you're going to see a whole lot of our young – I haven't even brought up our two young defensive uh, – I guess you would call them uh, kind of with uh, Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. Mm-hmm. You know, these dudes are right. kind of wild cards. I wouldn't right. – you don't even know where they're either going to line up. Weapon, right. Weapon. You know, they're yeah. young yeah. linebackers that can play other positions. We have right. – Simmons has been, you know, done t- taking snaps with safeties and different things like yeah. that. So you'll see these guys all over the place. My – Intuition tells me we're going to be heavy front, uh, a lot of trying to, uh, you know, hit gaps to, to stop Derek before he gets started because their theory is probably hey, we shut that running game down, put it all on Tannehill's shoulders. Even though he's got those weapons on the outside, we're going to force him to kind of win this game. We can't let Derek go out there and run for 150 or 175. Uh, with that being said, though, it's risk-reward because there are going to be some opportunities down the field you know, if we don't get to Tannehill or play action or whatever it is, or if, you know, if you fill, try to fill those gaps and Derek splits a hole and gets to the secondary, bye-bye. I mean, that's 65 or 70 right there. So I think we're going to – we're obviously, he's going to be our main focus. My, my worry is that with our front, like I said, I don't know how much endurance they're going to have, uh, gap uh, integrity. You know, these guys have not been in full-out – aggression yet and you know all it takes is one dude not to be in the proper gap or bad responsibility miss a, a responsibility and boom it's over so you know i know what their plan is going in 
And it's going to be a, you know, I, I got, uh, I play a lot of fantasy football. If you got Buda Baker, man, you better, if you're playing in a league that plays defensive players, mm-hmm. you better have Buda out, out there because he might have 25 tackles this game because, <laughs> you know, he might have to make 25 tackles. So it's going to be really interesting. I know the plan is going to be to try to stop Derek, uh, but I mean, with, with everything you guys do, you know, I've seen a whole lot of teams that came into it thinking, hey, we're going to stop Derek. And next, you know, he's got 175, 180 yards. So, and then, like I said, you always worry about the risk and the reward. We could be getting beat all day over the top by AJ and Julio um, and and all your other uh, uh, characters uh, in that passing game. I, uh, Ed, I know that you said you haven't gotten a great look at um, the team, you know, because of the limited action this preseason, but uh, for Titans fans, is there a player that we might not know about that you expect to have an impact on Sunday? Um, I know you've got, you mentioned some good young guys in Isaiah and Xavier, and I know you have Rondale has been making some noise there. Um, Nick Rondale, that, now I will say this one, one person who has impressed me with this mm-hmm. offseason has been Rondale. And I think, you know, one, when they drafted him, I thought, yeah, that's exactly what we need. And instead of going and, you know, maybe showing up our offense line, we go get another small wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, man, that dude's got some dog in him. And that's, I love that. And he, you know, he played during the preseason and they were featuring him. And I know it was preseason, but that dude, man, looked like he was on a different speed level than everybody else out there and not afraid of contact mm-hmm. and was kind of getting it in. And I'm really excited to see how they utilize him. There's going to be, I mean, some obviously some um, was a wide receiver screens and some different mm-hmm. jet sweeps and different things like that. You let him get in the space, he might be the wild card in this game. So keep your eye out for him. He has really impressed me so far uh, this offseason. I just, you know, like with his size, I've been kind of warning, hey, these little dogs, I know they like to bite, but when you know, every now and then you got to realize there's some big other big dogs out there, and it's no shame in you know getting out of bounds or not taking some of those hits that you might want to take to prove yourself. So, but if he can stay healthy, man, I think he's going to be a definite weapon and a definite bright spot for this Cardinals uh, team moving forward. I, you know, I just I hope they utilize him well. Yeah, he, he definitely seemed like a player that fell to them in the draft. And Cliff just, you know, you said another small wide receiver, but he just couldn't resist himself. Like, he <laughs> yeah. does seem like – he seems like a perfect fit for that offense. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, Ed, with all that being said for Sunday, what do you see happening? <laughs> Plain simple. <laughs> I knew you was going to ask me that, Sam. Uh, you know, for me, Cardinals, once again, they have not showed me enough to for me to think that – they're going to go over to Tennessee and come back with a victory. And on the flip side, on our radio show on Saturday, my radio partner, he actually picked uh, the Cardinals to go get that upset victory. Me, I'm looking at this one sloppy from the start. Uh, and once again, you know, outside uh, on that grass, we do play in grass, but this is different when you're outside a little bit. But I think the Cardinals come out um, very undisciplined, some penalties, which we did have in the one preseason game where our starters were out there. Your running game is too much for us, um, too much play action over the top. I see this game 27 to like 17 Titans. And I, I think you guys handily uh, take this game and get your first win of the season. Well, I mean, obviously we hope that you're right. But um, <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, we had A.J. Brown not practice today. We don't know about Julio. We don't know how healthy Julio really is, truly. Yeah. And, um, there's a lot to go into it. Like like I said, this 
with the three games in the preseason and these starters not playing that much, we don't know exactly who's ready. We don't know who's mentally ready. And um, it's going to come down to the most disciplined team, I think, is going to come out in this. So um, I think it's going to go either way. I I would uh, caution Titans fans not to get too excited by Ed just kind of giving us <laughs> a win there. But uh, at the same time, I do think that uh, I do think that Arizona is a young team, and I think that Kyler is a X factor. So, and uh, you can never sleep on D Hop. So, at the end yeah. of the day, there's a lot to go into that. We don't know where our secondary is per se yet. So, there's a lot that kind of goes into it when it when it comes down to kind of picking this game. Week one picks are week one picks are you know you just kind of crap to, shoot. Yeah, you just kind of have yeah. to go with it. You're putting it all on black and just saying roll the dice. But at, uh, we'll see what happens. But I do expect a very good game for week one for both of these teams and we'll see what happens at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, well, Ed, I mean, obviously we appreciate you coming on. It's great to have somebody that really knows the game to kind of come in here and kind of um, just give us a little bit of knowledge about the what's going on behind Arizona Cardinals, behind the lines and stuff like that. There's um, that team, man, they have a, I think that Arizona has a lot of potential. They got a lot of speed and I think that they'll be really <laughs> fun to play with that, with the way that division is with everything that's kind of went on in the off season. Uh, if they do what they're supposed to do, I think that uh, you may, you, they may shock some people. I hope so. Cause I like talking about good a whole lot more than I do bad. <laughs> so I, and like, and just like you said, Sam, it, this is the first game. We'll all have a better feel for all of our teams after we see, you know, that first uh, taste of real live action. And then, you know, we kind of go week from week there, but like, you know, we, it, we don't know that they, they both teams could come out and they could put 40 on the board or they could come out. And this could be one of those 10 to seven games. We don't know yet. No idea. No mm-hmm. idea. Well, we'll find out at the end of it, Ed. Uh, I'll make sure that I tweeted you if we come out with that victory, though. Uh, hey, regardless, <laughs> yeah, regardless, I want to stay in touch with you guys. Man, you guys, like, I wish you all the luck with uh, everything you guys are doing. And like I said, it's an honor to be on the first show with you. I appreciate it. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, Ed. Well, we'll talk to you soon, buddy, and uh, you take care. Thanks Thanks for everything. Sounds good, thanks, man. Ed. You all got right, it. Appreciate it, buddy. Yep. All right, Sam, we're going to be doing a segment throughout the season uh, called Stat Sheet, where I'll throw some, you know, I'm, a, I'm an accountant by nature. I'll throw some nerdy stats your way, generate some talking points. You know, I love you some numbers. Good, because I cannot. So everybody listen to Nick <laughs> on this. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to, to come up with stats at this point in the season, that seeing as there's no real game. So pulling a little bit from last year um, and just uh, what, what to expect in this game. So the first stat I got, for you is 52 and 52 is 52 rushing first downs by Kyler Murray in the 2020 season. Um, so that was tied for 13th in the league and that's among all players in, including running backs. And so for uh, comparison purposes, you know, he was tied with Aaron Jones for rushing first downs. So dude moves the chains with his feet. Um, he's a third quarterback behind Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton. Um, now I, I bring that up because, you know, he's in the, he's kind of in the same stratosphere as far as Lamar um, in terms of running the football. And if you are a Titans fan, you might be a little salty of how our season ended and might remember a certain run in particular where, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson ran for 48 yards for a touchdown. And uh, we kind of never got the game back after that. So I kind of feel like the Titans defense has always struggled with, you know, defending the mobile quarterbacks and that's something that is going to be a factor with, you know, Kyler and just being able to 
Um, even if we get pressure on him, you know, convert those third downs. Um, so Sam, how are the Titans going to stop Kyler Murray running the ball? Simple, simple. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit after whenever I get into the two minute drill, but this is simple. You have to contain, 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 contain. You have to be able to get into your pressure uh, you want to use your you want to use your interior guys, your two line, your two defensive tackles to crash down on the inside in order to stop any uh, stop the option. They're going to run some kind of option, speed option, triple option, whatever you want to call it. They're going to try to run. A, uh, a, they're going to give him a, an option or whatever it is that he wants to do if he wants to pull, go outside. So you want to be able to crash on the inside. Your outside guys have to make sure that they're doing their reads and they have to be disciplined. The worst thing a defensive end can do in an option situation is get overzealous thinking, okay, for sure, crash down, going to get this running back in the backfield for a loss. Because as soon as you do, Kyler Murray is going to put you on a highlight reel. You're going to be in an ESPN, and we're going to watch Kyler Murray literally break the ankles of somebody on the outside. Because listen, those linebackers are going to be so focused on their they're going to be so focused on their assignments because if we're running man. The last thing a linebacker is going to have time to do is kind of try to get outside to catch Kyler Murray because it ain't going to happen. But what we can yeah. do is force him back inside so those linebackers can do their job. The key to stopping Kyler Murray is to keeping him inside of the pocket. You have to keep him inside somehow in order to have more people that can get to the ball. Once he gets outside and he gets to dance, it's over. Well, you, you touched on it. I kind of gave you an alley-oop for my next stat here, and you, and you nailed it by talking about the linebackers. So feeding off that, the second stat is relates to average rushing yards by Lamar Miller – or Lamar, Lamar Miller – Lamar Jackson in Titans matchup. So the Titans have played the Ravens uh, three games in the past two years. Two of them are playoff games, one regular season. Um, in the two games without Jayon Brown, Lamar Jackson has averaged 139 and a half rushing yards a game. Uh, he had one game of 136 yards and one game of 143. 143 was the last playoff game where he went off for that big 40 year touchdown run that I need to stop talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, you really do. I'm not going to say tonight. <laughs> so in both playoff games, Jayon Brown was absent. Jan Brown played in one half of the regular season matchup against the Ravens this year. And Lamar Jackson was held to 51 rushing yards. Now okay. I know, I know that, you know, it's not all, you know, he's not the, the Lamar killer. Like it's, it doesn't all come down to one inside linebacker. Right. Um, but having Jan Brown out there is going to be huge. Um, I, I think, you know, you mentioned, having those guys who can uh, help keep him con contained. I don't know if you want to put him on a QB spy, but in terms of having that wherewithal to track uh, a guy like Lamar Jackson, um, I, I think that John Brown is the guy you want out there. I don't think Rash I think Rashawn Evans looks lost half the time. David, David Long has showed some promise, but um, you really need a solid mobile um linebacker to match up with a guy like Lamar Jackson. So I think having Jayon Brown back in general has been kind of an underrated storyline this season. Um, you know, two years ago, you know, going into last season, even I'd probably say he would have been one of our top three defenders and he didn't play well and then got hurt halfway through the season. Um, yeah. So having him back out there this year, I think is going to be a huge boon to this defense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jayon Brown's a uh, 40 time is a uh, four, seven. So it makes it makes a hell of a lot of difference. He's uh, he's extremely agile. His change of direction compared to Rashad Evans is night and day. 
So if you are able to kind of get him in a situation where he can kind of roam and be that, uh, just kind of be like that, I don't know what exactly, shortstop to where he can kind of watch uh, what's going on in the backfield and kind of play that. It's it's just all, it literally comes down to discipline, which I'm sure that they're practicing that all week on like who has what assignment, who has a running back, who has a quarterback in those situations. In a game, whenever that's kind of going on though, and that adrenaline's pumping and you're just like, oh, for sure, he's handing it off, smack him. Because on the third and one, you're you're for sure, you're like, oh, he's going to give it. And then as soon as he pulls it, if you don't have discipline to stay on your assignments, then mm-hmm. it's out of there. John Brown does have the speed to be that guy to kind of play a little bit on that outside to contain him. Like I said, it's all about keeping him inside. Don't let him get to the numbers. Like that is what it's going to come down to. So John Brown would be huge in that. If he, like I said, if he is as mobile as he was and he's back healthy, you know, he's been doing his Dragon Ball Z in the rehabilita- rehabilitation chamber and he's, he's back. If he's ready to go, then uh, that's gonna make that's gonna make a huge difference. But that's just because speed, speed kills. When you're mm-hmm. playing a mobile quarterback, speed kills. That's what yep. we didn't. Ha- that's what we didn't have against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, everybody talks about uh, how Adore Jackson was was like so bad when it comes to like his like some of the stuff that he was able to do and like how he avoided some tackles and this that and the other. Thing is, is when you if you have him right there to kind of have a little bit of speed on the outside, then we're not giving up that. Long run to Patty Mahomes either. So there's a whole yeah. lot that goes into it. Speed is important when you're playing these mobile quarterbacks. Very true. Very true. All right. I got one more stat for you. Um, I've Bit heard, you know, a lot of a lot of concern. You know, we talked about, um, you know, the starters not getting any run. We haven't seen Julio do anything except some, some fancy ladder drills, essentially. Uh, but the stat I got for you is over the past three seasons – Julio Jones has averaged 119 receiving yards in the home opener, not season opener, excuse me. So first game of the season, Julio's averaging 119 yards. Now I can't exactly speak to how the Falcons have handled them every off season, but I know that Julio's not doing a lot in these preseason games the past three years. Right. So I would just, you know, tell everyone that's been concerned. I think Julio's going to have a big game. The dude is in good shape. I think he's healthy. Um, he's got a very tasty matchup against these cornerbacks and with AJ Brown, you know, drawing attention away and Derek Henry. Um, so 119 yards, I'm not going to say he's going to hit that, but I think it's very possible who has a big game despite a lack of preseason run. Yeah, there it is. Don't sleep on Julio. Um, yeah, I mean, all those stats are a lot of stats that I did not know. So there you go. That's why we have Nick, because those are stats that I just don't know. What I do know, and what we will get into is we'll go into our two-minute drill. So two-minute drill, another segment that we're going to do. I'm going to in two minutes, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three things that I think the Titans have to do in order to win this game. Now to bring us to the two-minute warning. Number one, which we just talked about, is containment. Containment, containment, containment. If we stop Kyler Murray from getting to the numbers and we force him to keep inside, we can slow down his run and make him very one-dimensional. Kyler Murray has a very strong arm. If we're able to get pressure on him and force him to win the game with his arm, I like our chances in this game. I like our chances to get an interception in this one as well. Number two, play action. Play action has to be strong in this game. In order for us to start to play action, we have to be able to we have to be able to establish the run in order to give AJ, Julio, and a guess, even Anthony Fresker, a, t- a chance to get going in this game in order to get things going and open it up a little bit. 
I think that in order to win this game, we may have to see a little bit of that Titans office from last year where we put up some points and that's how we win the game. I think that's what we're going to have to do. Uh, number three, I also think that AJ Brown will in fact have a bigger game than Julio Jones in this game. Here's what I think is going to happen in this game. Julio Jones coming back. I think that uh, Mike Vrabel knows that Julio Jones can be a deciding factor in how the Titans go this season. However, what I do think is that Julio Jones coming back in this season, I think that Vrabel, uh, J-Rob, Amy, they've all sat down. They've all talked about it. Vrabel puts in a big, fat lip, and he's sitting there and he's <laughs> talking about it. And he's he thinks, you know what? Coming out the gate, I think we're a little bit cautious on how much of a workload we put on uh, Julio and how much we let him take when it comes to snaps. Uh, eight, uh, now, A.J. Brown does have the knee issue, but what I do think is I think that it is a cautionary uh, mispractice instead of him being extremely, extremely hurt. I think that last year him playing on two bad knees like my grandmother is not going to stop him from coming out here and doing what he's supposed to do, and I think that he comes out, he gets a touchdown, he goes over 100 yards to start the season. Derek runs for about, uh, I'll say, I'll say 110, and I think Julio comes out Julio doesn't even get more than eight catches in this game. So uh, that's where I'm going to put him. Not, I mean, granted, he, uh, what he does with those catches is up to him, depends on how explosive he is coming out the gate. Uh, so that is what I think is going to happen in this. That's my two-minute drill. And I do think that it all comes down to keeping Kyler within the numbers. I think you nailed it, man. And, I mean, Ed, Ed spoke on that a little bit too, you know, um, he's just he's just a little fella so can't see over the line keeping it contained keeps him in front of big uh jeff simmons with the swat once you get once you let kyler get out to the side he can start throwing uh you know to the sidelines is where he does most of his damage so it's not only to prevent scrambling but you know to make him step up into the pocket into the pressure um which you know hopefully with autry there alongside uh jeff simmons will be there um but yeah, I, I think you nailed it. Yep, I think that's I think that's what it's all going to come down to. Obviously, we so we got we know the stats, we know exactly what uh we know some things that have been going on the uh, the keys to what we have to kind of do in order to kind of have the upper edge in this game. So it's all going to come down to who's the best coach, who's the best discipline, and listen. I expect to see a lot of mistakes in this game. I don't expect to go to the see, go to this game and to see like a mid-season type of performance. We know how ugly the first game is for both teams, especially because of the lack of play time that uh, both sides have had when it comes to their starters. You're going to see holding calls. You're going to see drop passes. You're going to, like, it's going to be slow to start. I mean, so, I mean, don't expect this. Hammer the under. I, we ain't doing a betting segment, but listen, hammer the under. If the under, if it's fifty, if it's fifty points, just hammer the under. I'm just telling you now. I'm going to let you know. Just hammer the under on it because I tell you right now, it's going to come out. Both of these teams kind of got to get in a rhythm, and I do think both of these teams will be like. I think they both have the potential to be top ten scoring offenses in the league, but at the same time. I, it's just always ugly to start. I think that if I went back in my bookmarks, I'm pretty sure that I have tweets from the past two seasons of the first game where I'm just like, Oh, this is just ugly. Like it just happens. <laughs> it happens. And you should, you should expect it to happen, but don't this week one does not determine the season for either one of these teams. 
And I think that we, we as Titans fans, because I know who you are and you know who you are, do not start your overreaction. I don't want to hear it. Nick doesn't want to hear it. Just, just make sure that you just take it with a grain of salt. Let's try to come out. Let's get out of here with a W and then let's go to week two. We got a big one week two, by the way. Don't get me started. We got murderers roll this year. <laughs> yeah, we, we got a tough schedule. Yeah. What, what do you place the over under on Titans Twitter calling for uh, Vrabel's, Vrabel's head? Like third quarter, maybe in a tie game? If we make it to the third quarter, Nick, it'll be a freaking <laughs> victory for me. Like that, you already know people are going to be, everybody's an offensive coordinator every Titans game. Everybody's oh, yeah. an office. Everybody's oh, yeah, an office coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! They they think yeah. we know every single thing we need to do, including including myself. Sometimes I get it, but at the same yeah. time, like hey, let these guys do what they do. Nobody complains whenever we. Nobody complains at the end if it's a win, though. So yeah. who cares? Like guys, just stay calm. Let's let's just stick with it. We got this. Is one of the biggest seasons ever, so I expect more overreactions than mm-hmm. ever. It is yep. what it is. That's also a good thing about going to the game, though. I'm, I'm, you know, focused on the game atmosphere and not looking at Twitter the whole time because right. during the in-game Twitter experience can be frustrating when it's just like, oh, I, that's terrible. They need fire right. variable. Like, it's it's the first quarter, man. Like, it's uh, yeah, we had a we had a three and out, but it's a long right. game. Like, uh, you don't see that as much. You're not looking at your phone quite as much when you're at the game. But yeah, yeah both Sam and I will be there. So look us up. Buy, oh, us, yeah. buy us some beers. Oh yeah, uh, we'll, be, we'll definitely we'll definitely be there. I'll actually be tailgating. I'll be at Lot R. Uh, I'll be you? tailgating before the game. I will I will be there. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. I'll be liberated, and it should be a um, it should be a fun one. It's another Titan season. We finally made it, man. Like, and I'm I'm beyond pumped. Um, uh, Nick and I are obviously super excited to be a part of Music City yep. Miracles with SP Nation and to bring you guys a show um every week what we'll, we'll even be uh we'll even be doing some uh reaction shows after the games and stuff so be looking be on the lookout for that we want to interact with you guys so don't ever hesitate to hit us up with any questions that you may have obviously make sure you're subscribed make sure you leave that five star because every every five star review is a win for the titans this season so we need every one of those so we uh we definitely appreciate all the support man and we're excited for the road ahead and i mean it's, it's time man it's time to tighten up I mean, Super Bowl? Can we, can we say Super Bowl? Is that too much? I mean, Is it too I'm much pretty, to float that out there? I'm pretty sure I was saying Super after the first preseason win. <laughs> Baby, what are you talking about? I, I said it once we traded for Julio. So, <laughs> yeah. Mean, might as well be, you know, get my hopes way up there before before they get dashed. So, it's, it's, whatever. It's all, it's all or nothing, man. We appreciate y'all for listening. Look for us. Make sure you subscribe, man. We'll see you guys next week, baby. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.